You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another edition of Global Trade This Week. We come at you from both coasts. I'm Doug Draper uh, out in Denver, Colorado, and my co-host and partner in crime is uh, Pete Mento hanging out in the uh, on the East Coast. Pete, how you doing today? I am fantastic, although, Doug, come on, there's no coast in Colorado, dude. Like, uh, inner mountain, how about this? I'm just trying to, de- de- you know, separate. So how about the inner mountain west? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only reason I'm not moving to Colorado is you guys don't have an ocean. If you had an ocean, yeah. that would probably be where I would end up. It is It is truly, um, God's hand definitely blessed that place. It is It is. Absolutely yeah. breathtaking. Thanks. Thanks for that. The good thing it doesn't have oceans because, Pete, we're actually full. Colorado is full <laughs> and we're not letting people move here anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I noticed I didn't say Denver. I'm not uh, moving to Denver. Yeah. 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 I think I'm more of a Fort Collins kind of guy. I think that's yeah. more, yeah, or, or I don't know. I'd have to spend more time there. Like maybe I'd be more of a, you know, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, Colorado kind of guy. You know, I like to hunt and fish and yeah. Yeah, I hate people. So that might be more my thing, buddy. But Colorado yes. is full. Maybe, you know, when you drive into a state, they've got the welcome to New Hampshire, live free yeah. or die. You need to get a sign that says, welcome to Colorado. We're full. Yeah. Or the number of just visiting. Are... Yeah. Thanks. Keep, keep on trucking, buddy. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's get this show started, my man. I introed, so uh, I, I like your topics today. So I actually have some good oh, banter. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Doug oh, is actually goodness. invested in jokes. Have you hired a writer yet? No? Okay. Uh, so no. My, my first topic this week is um, a little bit of a departure uh, from what I've been talking about lately, and that is uh, Lucky Port. So Lucky Port, not Lucky Port, Lucky Port has opened. And it is one of the biggest promises that our our friends in China made when they originally started the investment of the Belt and Road Initiative with our our, uh, our African neighbors. And the Lecky Port was the first major quote unquote mega port that was going to be opened in Africa. And it is entirely, and I mean entirely, financed by China. It was built and designed by Chinese firms. It was built mostly by Chinese firms. It was built of material and high-end engineering by Chinese firms. But the labor that built it was um, was African, Nigerian specifically. It was built um, for the exportation of raw materials, semi-manufactured materials. And whatever will become of this coming revolution, we hope, of the new African labor movement and the industrialization of Africa, uh, a part of the world that is rich with energy resources and what is we're all hoping to be this new industrial revolution that we hope will happen in Africa. Remember that what makes China, China is its labor. What makes China, China is its logistical infrastructure and the fact that the rest of the world wants to take advantage of low cost labor and lots of great infrastructure and access to raw materials. Now, Africa is one of the last places in the world where we're still seeing a lot of people being born. The mean age of uh, the people in 
of Nigeria of working age that worked on Lucky Port was, wait for it, 18. 18. Um, and the average um, woman that lives in Nigeria will have five children. Five. That's the average, Doug, um, in her lifetime, as opposed to the United States, which right now is actually creeping below one. So they're not going to have a problem with not being able to get people to, uh, you know, to keep that place populated. Now, when you look at the pictures of the port, they've invested heavily in the kinds of cranes necessary for megaships. And Nigeria being a, a nation of tremendous oil resources, natural grass, gas resources, and the resources for energy. I don't know, Doug, is this finally the, um, are, are we supposed to applaud China for coming through? on what they've been saying for a long time was the fulfillment of this massive promise to actually do the right thing for Africa? Or is this just another indication of colonialism and them taking advantage of Africa? Because although they might have built it with African labor, this port is more or less financed to Chinese banks. It's only going to have Chinese ships calling on it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's pretty much only going to have sailings to China. So I don't know. Who is this really serving? Is it serving the people of Africa or is it serving the people of China, Doug? Yeah. So I'd have to go with the, the latter of that. Um, and I guess I'll have two comments. One, I made a, I was talking to a friend probably a couple of years ago, Pete. I'm not even screwing around with this comment. Is that all manufacturing chases labor? It went from China to other regions of the Southeast. And where is the only part of the world that hasn't been tapped that potentially <laughs> has very inexpensive labor? Yes, you just talked about it, Africa, right? So it's inevitable that it's going to go there. It's not coincidental that China is basically controlling the gateway with megaports in, into Africa. And the other thing that is uh, is striking, and we've talked about it here, is once you step out of this beautiful port, I'm sure they got lattes and all kinds of crap that you can hang. When you get out of the port, you got to look at the inland infrastructure, right? The roads, the rail, which is pretty much non-existent. So I know this is for raw materials and things of that nature, but hey, part of me is like, hey, I applaud the fact that they're recognizing this is the last bastion of chasing cheap labor. Part of me is like, they're positioning themselves so they have total control to access that cheap labor and it sounds really good but the infrastructure and the connectors that you and i have spoken about before just aren't there so um i think i don't know i could i'm nervous you know you and i are going to start wearing garments that are that are uh, sourced almost exclusively from from africa moving forward so that that's my take on it the chinese involvement gives me a little suspicion it's not as connected as you think because once you step outside of the port um the infrastructure is not there, but uh, maybe it'll be built. So anyway, it's a great topic. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all that long ago the infrastructure wasn't in China either, buddy. And um, China, Africa, as long as it's cheap, I don't think Americans are going to mind. And yeah. I, for one, don't have much of a problem with this finally, uh, you know, financially supporting Africa and giving them an opportunity to financially rise. My, my big fear is, you know, all these companies that, that are financially stable now in America, they source all of their production in China, but the profit comes back to America. 
how much longer before the labor is all being sourced in Africa, the company's based in China, and the goods are all being bought in America? And really, none of the profit or the financial opportunity is coming back to the United States. And I think that's where this could eventually go if we don't watch ourselves. No more innovation, you know, no more commercial opportunity. It's really just uh, another model of, like I said, modern day colonialism. And it's, uh, it's yeah. kind of scary. It's one to watch for sure. I think that's a topic we should revisit um, oh, uh, often. So, all right, bringing it back home. Um, I always say the you know, the curious case of Benjamin Button was a movie. This is kind of the curious case of, of AB5, um, which is the uh, classification out in California, Assembly Bill 5. Everybody's probably heard about it to some degree. It's basically California's work classification focused on the gig economy, but truckers and transportation kind of roll up into it. And um, the uh, California Trucking Association and others kind of pitched it to the uh, the Ninth District Court of Appeals in California to say, hey, this, you know, take a look at this thing. We're, we're, doesn't make sense. And they shot it down. So it's kind of back to where it was. A um, couple of things. Number one, it's it's not going away in the sense that there's going to be more, um, you know, appeals, petitions, things of that nature. So this whole conversation is not over by any stretch of the means. But the noise level is going to continue to increase um, because uh, they're losing a little bit of ground. The funny thing to me is that the, a lot of the truckers, which are primarily the ones that touch the ports and pop in the containers, are mostly owner-operators, and they don't want this. What I'm reading and what I'm hearing and looking at articles, they like the independence. You know, we talked about the great American cowboy of the uh, of uh, of our year is the the open road trucker, and these guys come in and they can stake their claim and um, and, and do some good things. So the funny thing is that a lot of these truckers, from what I'm hearing, Pete, you can correct me if I'm wrong, are not in favor of this in the first place. So you have both sides which don't seem to have interest in and moving this agenda forward, but yet it's continued to be a hot topic. It, it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting to me. The other piece is that, um, shocker, it's right in the middle of our supply chain crisis. So I think the biggest noise has come out of Oakland, right? Um, and people are, and companies are starting to divert ocean container traffic around to the Gulf and the East Coast, which we spoke about last week. So I don't know how much of a blip it's gonna mean to you and I as a consumer, and we're not going to get our, uh, our our Samsung refrigerator or our, our, uh, our new clothes. But it's just more noise around supply chain logistics. It doesn't seem to have uh, – it's just it's confusing to me, right? All it means is it's going to be angry. People are going to have, uh, you know, frustration. And there will be some more delays. I don't know if we're going to have a price increase per se – but uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. We'll have to see how this thing progresses. It's not over by any stretch of the means, but it did get uh, kind of slapped in the face a little bit with, uh, with that de de denial from uh, the ninth district. I don't know. What's your take on AB5? We've been paying a lot of attention to this, both here, because um, of our dry operations. But also, when I say we, I mean just us as a business, uh, us as a trade. And uh, you're right, the independent companies, independent operators really don't like this. And when I was reading about that, I thought about something that you've been dancing around and talking a lot about and commenting on. Truckers are, are the last of the cowboys, right? 
They're the last of these guys, women, men, women, who are independently operating on their own, out there running their own business, making their own decisions, putting a lot on the line financially, right in the market. For a lot of these people, I can remember back in 2009, 2008, it was still a business where they got very little respect and they made huge investments in buying their own equipment. Sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. And over the past couple of years, working independently was a pretty damn good move. And they're riding that wave of this economy. It's going to sink. You know, maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be, who knows? But they got to make their own decisions. And it was a, it was a business where you could have autonomy. You can make a damn good living for yourself and you could decide taking my truck off the road for the next month or so. I'm taking a vacation. I've made some great money. I'm taking it back and I'm my own boss. It was one of these very rare cases where somebody could get a license, work for someone else, save their money, start their own business and be very successful and not have to answer to anybody. And it just feels like that's being taken away. And these independent operators now are being told by the government, nope, you're going to have to go work for somebody or you're going to have to go answer to someone. So you've got that side of that spectrum. And what I think isn't being given enough attention is who is. So when you're a truck driver, who is supporting this? Doug, you know who that is? Teamsters Union. The Teamsters Union has been in a full-throated voice supporting this. And you might wonder why. Well, why would a union support anything? Because it's going to increase their roles. If you are being told that in order to work in this particular you know, industry or this particular way, you're going to have to go work for a company. Well, if you work for a company, where does the Teamsters, you know, where do they, they do their best when they convince more people working in large organizations to you know, to, uh, to work together, to form unions and to, uh, you know, to leverage that in order to uh, bargain as a group. So of course the Teamsters Union wants to have people working mm -hmm. in, in that way because it allows them to collectively bargain, which helps to increase their roles. And right now in 2022, what are we seeing across the country, uh, across, you know, industries, we're seeing people move to unionize. So it just makes sense that they would, they would support this. And I think that uh, we haven't heard the last of this. We're going to see more and more of this, not just in California, in other um, left-leaning states, particularly port states like New York. I think you're going to see it and happen in places like Miami as well. And uh, this isn't going to die quietly. This is going mm -hmm. to be something we're going to have to deal with. I mean, hell, we're worried about a railroad strike too, pal. This is, this is not going away quietly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's our second topic that we should follow on a regular basis. We got Africa and we got truck drivers. So <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah I, I'm telling you, man, these are, these are two big ones. And, and I think we both have been talking about this for a while and it's, it's starting to really sprout up and yeah. starting to sprout up in a very visible way. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Halftime. I love it. As you know, halftime brought to you by Cap Logistics. Um, we always, Ping Keenan, he's back there pushing the buttons and turning the levers, and you and I wouldn't have this uh, this platform without those guys. So, halftime, as always, brought to you by by Cap, Cap Logistics. So, I want to save yours, Pete, because I'm very interested um, about your topic. So, I'm just going to take the mic and, and go from there. So, 
You always like to think of something kind of funny uh, and interesting that we pull out of the headlines. And um, there was one I was going to talk about, which was related to um, dental. And when I read it, Pete, I misunderstood it. I thought we were going to eat a bunch of rocks, equivalent of rocks, wash them around our teeth and spit them out. And that was going to floss and brush our teeth, kind of uh, being a disruptor in the dental uh, community. But that I misread it. It's just a fancy toothbrush. So I scratched that off my list. I thought about the heat in Europe and global warming, and that's too political, so I killed that one. And then we had a mullet-wearing golfer that won the British Open, which is just comical because if there's ever one of the majors that probably a guy with a mullet um, would would uh, uh, be apropos, it would be British Open, not. Uh, but I focused, so I scrapped that one. I focused on a story right here in Colorado, I didn't even hear about, which is absolutely amazing. We have a new winner of the peanut push up Pikes Peak. So Pete, check this out. There's a guy in Colorado Springs, actually Manitou Springs, which is kind of a hippie area down in the southwest part of the Springs. Could be a good place for you to move to. He (laughs) literally pushed a peanut with his nose up to the summit of Pikes Peak. So if you Google this, you can see this guy had a contraption on his nose. It was a peanut pusher. And it was the first person in the 21st century to make it happen. So if it's the first person in the 21st century, that means this has happened again and previously into the 20th century. So this guy did it in eight days. Um, He put this contraption on and he pushed a peanut. I'm not even kidding you. This is so bizarre. Up the top of Pikes Peak. Um, and it was done in 1963. It took a guy eight days, 1929. It took another individual 20 days. And I believe that uh, this gentleman, Bob uh, Salem, did it in six days. So the thing is, Pete, I knew a Bob Salem in high school, and the guy used to eat a lot of glue. But I'm not sure if this is the same same guy pushing peanut. I Probably not. He looked a little bit younger than I am. But a freaking guy pushing a peanut up to the type of pocket. You can't write this stuff any crazier than that. So anyway, that's my one. It's a peanut pusher that just set a record uh, to the top of Pike's Peak. I don't know what to say on that. Why, Doug? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Or why not, I guess. That's a lot of a lot of time to invest. Eight days. Yeah. Did he win like a lifetime it. supply of planters peanuts for doing this? I mean, was there some kind of a reward for? No, it was during the um, 150th anniversary of the town of Manitou Springs. I'm sure he got an attaboy or something like that. But anyway, I would encourage our listeners to Google it. Uh, if you just type peanut pusher, uh, it'll pop up. That's really unfortunate. See, now I know that and I'm going to have to tell somebody. So I'm going to waste someone else's life with that story. And uh, <laughs> it's like it. a virus, man. Like we are, we're all going to know it now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so fire away. So here's how I'm going to waste capitalistics money with this story. Uh, I oftentimes come up with what I think are brilliant ideas for businesses. So at one point, mm-hmm. my friend, Sean Toll's dad, Bob and I came up with this idea when they closed all the jack-in-a-boxes all over America, we wanted to combine the idea of a jack-in-a-box with this new idea for drive-through 
funerals where we were going to take all of the closed jack-in-the-boxes and turn them into drive-through funeral services and call them um, either um, stiff-in-a-box or corpse-in-a-box. So we were just going to, you know, we were going to put those two things together. Well, this is my new idea along those ideas. Uh, oh, also, I, I thought about um, uh, also doing something, you know, along those same lines where we would do like a, a, a pizza delivery service and a marijuana delivery service. But that also didn't fly. But my newest one, the the the, ma the male uh, grooming space has gotten huge, right? You, you hear about the commercials all the time, and mm -hmm. I don't think that they're marketing them right. So the ones that get marketed right have really slick online commercials on the web. And Doug, you and I are perfect for this. Okay, here's how it's going to go. So you and I go into a bar together. It's like we, we come off of a sales call. You know, and um, and I look at you and I say, are you ready? And you're like, yeah, yeah I'm ready. It's time. I'm like, All right. I say, who's going to do it? And you're like, well, you got to do it. I'm like, All right, okay. And we walk over to the bar and there's Keenan. Okay. And Keenan's at the bar and he's got on like his flannel shirt. He's got his giant mane all tied back and that huge Sasquatch beard of his. And he's sitting at the bar, probably eating peanuts. You know, that's a callback, by the way. He's drinking one yeah. of his like $17 IPA beers that he drinks. And uh, I sit down next to him and I'm like, hey, listen, Keenan, Doug and I have been talking and nobody wanted to say anything. But um, when you come back from these these walkabouts you do, you got quite an odor. And we're bros, right? So no offense, but you stink. And that's when <laughs> like the camera angle changes and I pull out a bar of our new soap. No offense. But you stink. The revolutionary new body wash for men, right? But it's like a it's like a bar of soap, and that's what it's called. No offense, but you stink. And it's going to come in three different scents, right? Uh, the first scent will be work, weekend, and date. So like work is like you know every day you, know, you come, they have like a like some kind of a like a worky smell. I don't know, like some like non-offensive sort of, you know, guy smell for work. And then weekend will be something, you know, like playful. I don't know, juniper berries. And then like, like date night will be something colonial. But the whole idea is, you know, that's how guys talk to each other. It's like, hey, bro, you stick. I'm not saying Keenan doesn't smell great. He does. Keenan, you know, puts a lot of time and effort into his grooming thing. So everybody out there, it's not what, I'm just saying for like the purposes of my commercial, mm -hmm that I'm just spitballing here. It could have been me. It could have been Keenan and Doug, but he doesn't have the microphone right now. And they come talk to me. I'm just saying, for the purposes of my whiteboard discussion, we use Keenan. Now, the next one we'll do is like, no offense, but your breath stinks. And we'll have like, you know, mouthwash, maybe some toothpaste. I've got all kinds of ideas here. But the whole point is, we're gonna, we're gonna switch the game by going right at them with an opportunity to have a conversation about their their uh, you know their stench situation, Doug, and and so no offense is going to be the name of the company. No offense, but you know, no offense, but we got to do something about those fingernails. No offense, but you know you got dandruff. No offense, and and I'm I'm thinking it's just it's like a, it's a conversation starter. It's an opening for a better you. What do you think, Doug? Mm. I like it. 
you know, it's just, uh, it's forward. Guys don't need a lot of fluff, you know, and uh, the packaging is what I'm going to be interested in. Just like the newspaper or just, you know, the packaging is very basic. It's just wrapped up with duct tape or something. And you just kind of throw it to the guy. Yeah. Um, hey, Pete, no offense. You kind of smell and you just chuck it. And it looks like a brick of, uh, like, oh. of duct tape. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a guy, you know, it's like a guy's like, oh man, really? Thanks. You know, and he goes and takes a shower. <laughs> and then, like, you come back the next day and he's looking all sparkly and clean. Everything's better. And he's like, wow, you know, I just got promoted yeah. at work. Apparently, that was the problem. I smelled like a musk ox. But everything's good now. You know, my wife came yeah. back. Yeah. I don't sit alone on the bus anymore. I think it's a brilliant yeah. idea. Yeah. 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 No offense, but that means you're going to offend somebody. But men exactly. don't take offense to it, which is the genius nope. of the marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be in every Christmas stocking. It's going to be in every Christmas stocking. Yeah. No, yeah. no offense, but you stink soap on a robot. I would buy it for all of my friends. I would. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. All right. Yeah. Global Trade well, this week also brought it this thing by. back to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's uh, pivot back to the second half. Let's do yeah. it. All right. So, um, I have become a very concerned uh, trade nerd about what's going on with the ratcheting back of uh, the gas pipeline between Russia and Germany with Nord Stream. Right now, you've got between 30 and 40% of the volume that's going to Germany. And the, you know, the German chancellor has been extremely honest with his people, saying we could be in for a pretty cold winter. We're going to have to see what we get um, from our our friends, air quotes, in, in Russia, but it could be a winter of our discontent where it could be turned off for good. This could be what we see going forward. This could be the amount of energy that we see from, from Russia for some time. This could be their way of trying to break us. And, um, you know, that being the case, you're talking about the largest economy in Europe. You're talking about one of the most important industrial economies in the world. And their dependency mm -hmm. on foreign energy is something that they've been warned about, something that they've been uh, you know, certainly been given plenty of chastising about by foreign countries. But it is what it is. And there's certainly help coming in the form of the Netherlands and what they're doing to try to help by the United States as well, other countries. But there's only so much that can be done in the interim, you know, in the short term. And, and we'll see what can happen. But from a, a global relations standpoint, Germany could decide to back off on their support of what's going on in Ukraine. So could the rest of Europe. Italy, uh, other other parts of, of Europe as well are going to be in a similar situation. And it could mean a lot of what's happening around the world. This could also have devastating effects on the European economy as a whole. And as the world begins to suffer economically, as it has effects on unemployment, as it has effects on the broader growth of the global economy, that type of suffering could lead people to begin to wonder why we are supporting uh, you know, the pushback against Mr. Putin and what's happening there. And it could have broad, stretching, you know, far-reaching effects on how geopolitics are happening everywhere. And Doug, uh, I don't think enough people are talking about it. Because it's one thing when we're all spending a little extra to put gas in our cars. It's another when, you know, we're all going to be a little bit colder and paying three times our energy bill to keep our houses warm in a whole country. And this country as well. Yeah. So I think uh, I think this is starting to get a little more than uncomfortable 
I think it's it's actually beginning to make people question exactly what's happening. And I make no no distinction one side or the other. I, I make no political commentary one side or the other. I'm just trying to say this is starting to become a pretty significant yeah. scale. Yeah. Well, I know they had a scheduled maintenance that happens every year <clears throat> to take that line down. You spoke about it last last week. <clears throat> I don't know if that's come back on yet or it's about to come on, but it always fires back up towards the end of July. So mm -hmm. we'll see. My take on that, Pete, is it'll turn on just a little bit, just enough, right? Um, and then that the flow, the on, the off, the little, the full um, will uh, maintain control. Uh, Russia will maintain control. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be turned off immediately, uh, maybe ever, but it's just going to be a trickle and Russia can control how much moves through. And the other thing that I was thinking about on this one, Pete, is it's kind of like water rights in the United States. Where the water enters and where it origin is has the control. So the fact that uh, you mentioned Germany is the largest consumer, the largest population, um, the largest economy, um, the fact that it's entering through them, they're going to do what they can to make sure their their economy, their people, and uh, uh, their population is taken care of first. So the dissemination to the other um, European countries, uh, I think they're going to be impacted maybe even more than than Germany. But the water rights analogy kind of came to came to thought whenever you put that topic out there. But yeah, I think let's take a peek at this thing early August and see what's going to transpire. And it, it's hard to imagine. People are going to be cold out there with the crazy heat going on in Europe, but yeah. um, it'll be an interesting one to follow for sure. The time marches on, buddy. It's going to be some scary days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll wind us up with uh, with my last one here, and um, it's related to nearshoring and kind of the hype that had transpired over the last couple of years with COVID in the sense that, hey, COVID's going to be a catalyst. Let's look at some bright sides of, of the of the, uh, the pandemic and that things are gonna come back to the US and manufacturing is gonna, gonna come back here. And, and we saw some, some, uh, some light uh, to that idea, one of which was uh, Peloton. This one uh, came to light. They had talked about opening up a new plant in Ohio. Um, it's like a $200 million plant, bringing everything back. We're gonna make it local. Um, that way our people can have our bikes and ride uh, and, uh, hey, look at us. We're taking advantage of the, the pivot shift of uh, the economy. And just the other day, <clears throat> they pretty much scrapped that whole plan. <laughs> they basically said, uh, we're shutting it down and we're going to fully outsource every bit of our manufacturing to a Taiwanese-based company. And we're going to flip the script and we're going to really generate revenue on a subscription-based service like a Netflix or things of that nature. That's where the new um, uh, CEO of Peloton came from, from that subscription-based model. So my, my, my whole point in here is that it's almost the Jerry Maguire effect, right? And I say that to say, show me the money. When push comes to shove and you can manage or deal with or have your consumer understand the delays with something, you're going to put it back overseas. That's just the way it is, right? Yeah, there'll be some higher-end type of products that may land on a nearshoring or reshoring opportunity. But Peloton just stuck out at me. I, nothing against Peloton. I, I don't have one. I know people that do. It was just striking example, the fact that, hey, we're going to re-embrace the nearshoring and we're going to invest this tremendous amount of money into uh, U.S. manufacturing. You flip the leadership and the whole thing goes away. 
and it's outsourcing 100% into the region and the supply chain that's creating lots of issues. So my whole point is that people are going to chase the money. And if they can make more money on a subscription-based service and kick everything back over uh, into Taiwan, people are going to do it. So I think the hype of nearshoring and reshoring is not going to be as much as it once discussed uh, right during and right after uh, the COVID uh, pandemic. So anyway, what's your take? My take is that people, you know, when you're running a business, particularly one that's public, there's nothing that you can do when it comes down to your, your shareholders and their expectations. And your shareholders' expectations are what you live and die by, and your board's expectations are driven by your shareholders. So when the uh, the warm, touchy-feely bit of uh, you know everyone being excited about this stuff coming back begins to fade away, you've got some hard decisions to make. And it's very difficult for you to look all those people in the eye and say, well, we're doing the right thing for everyone. Are you really doing it for everyone? When really it's the shareholders that you run this business for. Mm-hmm. So, and your subscribers. And if you can't stay in business, you can't, you can't have those great classes for your subscribers. So, uh, like you said, running a business in the end is about running that business. And they've, um, they put themselves in that situation. Nobody likes to say that kind of stuff, you know? And it's, it's, uh, sort of a cold-blooded way to look at it, but we're old enough, we've seen enough. I turned cynical a long time ago, man. Like the the bright, shiny part of me is the penny's gone away. I've got this ugly green patina all over me, unfortunately. I've, uh, you know, I've been ruined by time. But that's just how it is. You know, the world's not nearly mm-hmm. as wonderful as we like to think. Yeah, yeah. And so. with that, nice downward <laughs> moment. <laughs> I was going to say, that's uh, we're winding it up on one hell of a note. Yeah, yet again, vomited all over your happiness and joy as Doctor Doom here on Global Trade this week, brought to you by Cap Logistics, who keeps the lights on and all of this running for you. Um, it allows us to uh, borrow the talents of Keenan and his beautiful beard, which again does not smell bad. Keenan is a wonderfully smelling man. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we can't do it without them, without you, our listeners, who let everyone know and watchers, the viewers, let them know that we're here. Please do tell everyone you can. Um, please subscribe and keep watching and listening. Uh, thank you, Doug, for always showing up every week. And thanks again to all of you. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Global Trade This Week. Stay safe out there, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, everybody.